Amen. I want to thank you for your singing today. I genuinely look forward to when uh, we will join together and sing. And I do, last week I heard comments, someone was sitting somewhere in the sanctuary and they said, boy, the people behind me were singing out so wonderfully and beautifully. It's such an encouragement and a blessing for me to hear that. And I can speak from experience. Um, I think it encourages people to sing out louder when folks around them are singing. Even if you know a harmony part sometimes, some of you are gifted enough to sing that, and we're thankful for those that worship in that way. Kids are dismissed to children's church. If you're waiting on me, go and make your way on out. Kids up to the fifth grade are dismissed to children's church. Sorry about that drama. They were wondering if I was going to keep them in here uh, for long. And uh, we do appreciate those that serve nursery, children's church, ushering. Last week, we had opportunity to recognize many of the people that serve um, in the variety of ways here at Calvary, and let me express my appreciation um, as God is beautifully using some of you and leading you to serve um, in a unique way here at Calvary. Before we look into God's Word, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Gracious Father, we know that we would come to this time and, and gain nothing out of it if it were not for the working of the Holy Spirit. And so I would pray for the clear involvement of the Holy Spirit in affecting our hearts and our minds. Would you allow me not to get in the way, but allow me to be able to teach your wonderful word as we continue to look at the words of Jesus Christ, the wonderful blessing that they have been and will continue to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to start off by asking you a question. I'll ask you to raise your hand only if you can remember. There are some times that are burned into our memories, and I don't think we forget about them too soon, and sometimes the rest of our life we can remember them. And so only if you can remember, which I'm sure it's not everybody, but if you can remember taking your driver's test. So when you got your driver's license, if you can remember the test day, the road test, or any of that, would you raise your hand along with me? Who can remember? Raise them high. Wow. That's a lot of people. Okay, put your hands down. I think that one of the reasons why can, we can remember that, and so many folks can, is because it's tied to an emotion. When I was growing up, I just could not wait to get my license. There was freedom in that. It was a step in my life, a step that once I accomplished that, I would be able to go places, be able to spread my wings and fly, so I thought. And sometimes those memories are um, burned in our minds. Every once in a while when I'm driving around town, I will see a car that has the words student driver. And I always have different thoughts. At first I'm thinking, be careful. There's a little bit of honoriness in me that says, well, I'm not going to give them a hard time. I don't want to, you know, tease them. I think some people might give student drivers a hard time. I've seen parents write it on their own car. Student driver, be careful, with an exclamation point. If I can take you back to the time if you've got your driver's license and can recall that season, let me go ahead and um, give you a scenario. I want you to imagine that you attended all the classes that you needed to attend to learn how to drive if there were student driving classes. You attended everything. I want you to imagine that you took the book put out by the Secretary of State for how to drive and the rules of the road and you learned that book so well you knew it backwards and forwards. You were ready. And then imagine that you go and you take the written test 100%. You got them all right. You got past that. And then you go 
to get in the car with that person, that one person who's going to evaluate your driving and say yes or no to you getting that little piece of plastic, that driver's license. I can remember the tone of voice with the person that gave me my, my test. Imagine you go on your road test and you stop at every stop sign and you obey the speed limit. When you're approaching railroad tracks, you slow down and you look both ways. You don't violate any of the laws. And so you've passed the written test. You've gone through the class. You've learned the book. And then you've gone through and you've done all of that on your road test. And then can you imagine if you got back and when you've parked the car after your road test, knowing that you hadn't done anything to violate any laws, the instructor looks at you with a clipboard and says, well, I'm sorry to tell you that you have failed. Can you imagine if they told you you have failed and you're walking through, what did I do? Was there something that I did not understand? What was it? And then imagine them saying this. Here's the one reason why you failed. When we were driving down the road, there was a car parked in the parking lot in a, in a business on Main Street and they had their hood up and they were looking underneath the hood. There was clearly something wrong with their car and they were in distress and you did not stop to help them. And since you did not stop to give them a hand, I'm sorry, you failed. You cannot have your driver's license. What might your emotions be? Unfair, right? That can't be what everybody else is doing. I want you to imagine walking through this world where we live in a way that is not only the best for ourselves, that is not only trying to stay out of trouble, but where, where you have to intentionally see somebody that is in need and go out of your way to help that person. We're going to be talking this morning about the golden rule. Just one verse, Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 12. And as we look at this wonderful lesson that Jesus Christ gives, I want to, I'm going to try to challenge you with something that maybe you haven't considered before. This is one of those passages that people know. People who haven't studied the Bible, they know this verse. People know um, what uh, this teaching is. In fact, 200 years after the ministry of Jesus Christ, there was an emperor who came across this teaching of Jesus. And he fell in love with Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 12, what's written there. So much so that this emperor actually had it engraved on the wall of his home to the point where he would see it every day and he would pray, if I could only live out this simple teaching of Jesus Christ. Well, what we're going to see in God's word today is that you and I need to treat other people with incredible kindness, with incredible generosity, and with an unexplainable graciousness. And we need to do this not just when the people have earned it, not just when someone thinks they deserve it, but all the time and beyond that, even when they do not show that they are thankful for how you treated them. All that to bring us to our text here in Matthew chapter 7. Of course, we're continuing this series in the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to just stop and 
read this one verse, verse number 12, where Jesus says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law, for this is the law and the prophets. And so as we study the golden rule, do to others as you would have them do to you, it's going to be helpful for us to know that this is a very popular theme. Now you'll say, yeah, I know it's a popular theme. I was listening to a, um, a non-Christian song just yesterday and somebody plugged it right into his words. And do unto others as you'd have done to you, he sang. And I thought, well, that's a Bible verse. That's a Bible theme. You can't have that. That's for Christians. This theme has been around for a long time, or at least a version of the theme. Some of you might be familiar with the expression, the silver rule. Not the golden rule, but the silver rule. You see, if there is a good habit to have in life, if there's a good practice, a good discipline, people in this world, even apart from Jesus, will see that and will oftentimes adopt it into their life. We do well to understand there's been a similar theme represented through many, many cultures over many, many decades. Here's what Confucius was, uh, was fam- one of the things that he was famous for saying. Do not do to others what you do not want to have done to yourself. That's what Confucius says. Good rule to live by. From the ancient writings of the Apocrypha, here's what's written. What thou thyself hatest to no man do. There was a popular Greek philosopher who wrote, What you avoid suffering yourself, do not inflict on others. One of my favorites was uh, the Jewish rabbi Hillel, which we can learn a lot from, and very much so a student of the Old Testament, the Old Testament law. And Hillel, in his lifetime, was asked this, Can you give us a summary of, of the Old Testament law. Now that's one question, but then they qualified it. They said, could you give us a summary of the teaching of the law while standing on one leg, just like that? And you know what the idea there is, because they want him to do it in a brief way. Now I was tempted not to use this illustration because somebody, some smart aleck out there, is going to come to me and say, why don't you try preaching your sermon on one leg, and we probably all enjoy it a lot more. Get, get a little more brief, I know. Sometimes we go a little bit long, and I do appreciate your patience. But Rabbi Hillel, when he was asked to summarize the law while standing on one leg, said this, what is hateful to yourself, do not do to someone else. This very good life philosophy has been around for a long time, even before Jesus Christ. Jesus did not call this the golden rule. It was given that title some years later. But Jesus is taking this teaching from somewhere from many years before he was born. But I want to challenge us with this. Jesus is very unique. So don't just think that, well, this is a good way to live, and so everybody has figured this out. Because Jesus gives us something very special. Because as you examine these wise words from history, I just read several examples of it, uh, famous quotes and philosophies that cultures would live by. But what we find with them is they all focus on the negative. Did you, did you catch that? They all focus on the word don't. Don't do to others what you would not want to have done to you. 
And Jesus Christ is unique. And everybody loves what Jesus has said. He's unique, and everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. Jesus was the only one who did it in the positive tense that I have found record of anyway. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Are they the same thing? Don't do to others what you don't want them to do and do to others what you'd have them do? Are those the same thing? They're not. They're not. Remember my illustration? Can you imagine being judged by not going out and doing some kind of help to help another driver and you fail your driver's test for it? You obeyed every rule, every law, didn't do anything wrong. And there's a different standard for judging. And I'm thankful we're not judged by that standard. Let me use this illustration. Let's say um, that I'm talking to my son, a, a young son, maybe in elementary school, fifth or sixth grade. And I tell him this. I say, now son, you're bigger than a lot of the other kids. So when you go to school today, I want you to make sure that you don't hurt anybody else, okay? Look me in the eye, son. Make sure you don't hurt anybody else. Okay, dad, got it, he might say. And he can go. And is it that hard to keep that rule? Well, he might have to work at it a little bit, but he could stay home and do that, right? You, for you to not do something that you wouldn't want done to yourself to somebody else, you could just stay in your house all day and keep that rule. But if I went to my son and I said, and I said this, now son, here's what I want. For every person that you come into contact today, I want you to try to do something good to them. Say something positive or uplifting to them. They're two different things, right? This is how Jesus challenges these people as they're sitting on the mountainside listening to this sermon, his followers, and this is what Jesus wants us to grab a hold of. There's an expectation from Jesus Christ that we're not going to simply restrain ourselves. Brothers and sisters, it is not good enough for your journey in your walk with God just to pay your taxes and stay out of jail. That is not enough. You need to do that or not do that. But it's not enough. Jesus wants us to do more. Jesus is taking this teaching. It actually um, has its roots in, the, in Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus 19, 18 says, love your neighbor as what? yourself love your neighbor as yourself that's where jesus is going with this and so if you're a dreamer not sure how many dreamers we have out there today if you're a dreamer i would challenge you with this can you just imagine for a short time what our world would be like if everybody practiced the golden rule if everybody treated everybody else in the way they would want to be treated themselves, to love your neighbor as yourself. Or better, can you just imagine the red tape that would disappear in this world? If everybody is practicing the golden rule all the time, no more law books, lawyers would be out of business, police officers would be out of business, right? No more courts, no more judges, because we have these one rules, and if everybody follows them, everybody obeys them, it's going to be like, if I can borrow the word, it's going to be like a utopia. It's going to be perfect. At school, we won't have a code of conduct anymore. Instead, they'll have to say, okay, you guys, stop being so nice to each other and go to class. 
You're all being so kind. In our city and in our state, we wouldn't have the laws that govern us, that keep us from hurting each other. Instead, we would have do to others as you would have them do to you. Imagine the big picture of our Constitution, okay? Our Constitution and the, how many amendments? 33 amendments. The Constitution and the 33 amendments going away and being replaced with this. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do to them. And so if it were possible to have all of our citizens practice, practice this, there'd be no need for rules and laws. Now, if you're a dreamer, maybe you're thinking about what that would look like. That's a tough sell, all right? Okay, hold on. Maybe you can grab, your, grab, your, or grab a hold of this one. Wrap your brain around this one. What if this golden rule, do to others as you would have them do to you, what if this were practiced perfectly only for 30 days in our church family? What would that look like? Can we even start to imagine what that would look like? Individuals would never forget about a promise that they made to somebody else who was counting on them. They would never forget about that. We would never speak too quickly without thinking about how the other person is going to hear the words that we are about to say. We would think the best of others. And I love that one. When you're walking through at Calvary, just for 30 days, do to others as you would have them do to you. And as you're walking through and something comes up where you're confused or you're wondering about something that was unusual, you just say, well, I'm sure they have the best intentions. I'm sure they have the right motives. I'm sure that we have the exact same goal in order to move forward. And you think when someone does something different than you or likes something different than you, that they have your best in mind. We would be incredibly patient. We would be lavishly generous. I tease about this sometimes. I've never gotten my way. I have an opinion with uh, doing something, and I've asked the leadership multiple times if I could do this, and they've never said yes. So I'm not technically doing it now, so don't receive that message, but I think it'll make my point well. when we oftentimes will be blessed as far as finances and money. I know when we raised the funds for our sanctuary remodel, the money came in. The money came in early. We reached our goal. And some money was still coming in. And it was at that point that I wanted to say the thing. I wanted to quote the Old Testament verse that I've always wanted to quote. I wanted to get in front of the church and say, please stop giving. The coffers are full. Don't give any more, please. We can't handle it. And I've never been able to convince the rest of the leadership that's what we should say. So I've never said it officially. But if we spent just 30 days doing unto others as we'd have them do to us, can you imagine the running around some of these volunteers filling these Christmas shoeboxes would have? We had a goal of 100 or 120, and now we've got 1,000. Can you imagine the people that are serving in some ways and when they walk around and see something they don't like or somebody says something that they find suspicious, if they think the best of that person, and the reason is is because we always think the best of ourselves, right? We always think the best of ourselves. So if you think the best of that other person, and so individuals 
who are elderly or have small children wouldn't have to walk very far in the parking lot because all the front rows would be reserved without signs. We wouldn't even need handicap signs, would we? Because the people who need a shorter walk would be left those spaces by those of us who are able to walk a little bit farther. People who have young children or have health needs would be able to sit in the back rows and those who don't need that back row would move themselves forward. That's what it might look like in a church. Some of you are going to tune me out now, I know, talking about what row you sit in. After the church service is over, I'm not saying you can't go and talk to your friend, but if there's somebody here who you don't recognize or you don't know their name, if you're treating others as you would have them treat you, has anybody here ever walked into a place and you didn't know anybody else there and not one person said hi to you? I've had that experience. I've walked into a place, I've walked into a church and walked through and was fairly bright-eyed and was very interested and not one person said hello. And I don't want them to neglect their friends and I don't want that fellowship to not be there. But having said that, Every once in a while, I'll get on a comment card of the little sheets, visitors, first-time visitors, and they will comment every once in a while. was greeted by several people. Was very, it's a very friendly church, very happy to be here. And if we were all, just for a short time, practicing the golden rule, what would that look like? There is a good theme that man has taken on. So men and women, even people outside of church, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second because this is not just about being a better person in this world. And it is different. Jesus Christ is teaching something different than what man, Confucius, or Greek philosophers have talked about. It's a good theme. Some of you remember that old song, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. This idea of love, that's a good sell. But not, listen, not all churches are the same. Those who follow Jesus Christ, those who have the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and we just finished talking about that section, they have something unique and different. But there are at least a couple problems with this idea of doing unto others as you would have them do to you. And here's what they are. Number one, all humans have a self-centered, sinful nature. The first problem that every man and woman, boy and girl, is tied with is they have a sinful nature within. And so we just default oftentimes to wanting to please ourselves. And maybe we will go on a stretch and even unsave people sometimes. People that don't have the Holy Spirit will act in a way that uh, looks like they're practicing the golden rule. But the one thing that everybody and even Christians has to contend with is this self-centered sinful nature. And then next is that believers struggle to yield themselves to the Holy Spirit of God. As believers, we not only have that sinful nature, but we are given a command by God of how we are supposed to walk, and we struggle. Sometimes we do it for a short time, a short stretch, and then it fades. And so I would encourage us to know that this not only is difficult, but here's what I would tell you. Are you ready for this? I say this so often. God never commands us to do, something, to do something that he does not give us the ability to do. Does that make sense? God does not mock us. 
God never tells you, I want you as my child to do this without giving you the ability to do it. And then we come to the golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. We find a good example in one local church in the New Testament where the apostle writes to the church at Thessalonica and he writes in chapter 4 of the first letter to the church at Thessalonians. He writes this. Now concerning brotherly love, and that's what we're talking about here. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. That's a great compliment. Can you imagine if one of our missionaries wrote back and said, I was there visiting for a few months and you guys clearly have cornered the market on showing love one to another. I am blown away. I'm telling everybody I know about what I observed there in your local church family. And Paul writes that, and then look how the verse ends. He says, but we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. Well, which is it, Paul? Are we doing a great job at this, or do we need to do it more and more? Yes. You see, they were doing a great job at it, but there is something within every one of us that sinful nature, even though you know Jesus Christ and you have the Holy Spirit within, there is a sinful nature that is waiting to choke that kind of supernatural living because it will destroy your marriage if you do not live this rule. And you will not last very long in a local church that has, are you ready? Other people in it who are sinners. Everybody here who's a sinner, please raise your hand. Okay, all the rest of you are liars, therefore you are a sinner. <laughs> when we look at this, we can practice it in a beautiful way. And we can see fruit. And we can have somebody say, you're doing so good at this. Do you know one of the strategies of the devil? Let that woman, let that man who thinks they stand, beware lest they fall. You do not corner the market on this and then you can coast the rest of your life. This is an ongoing process to treat others in a way that you would want to be treated And I say, I've said this before in this Sermon on the Mount series and I'm gonna say it again. So be, be guarded. If you are one that wants to see people come to Jesus Christ or come to your church and be introduced to Christ, be guarded with this. Don't say, you need to come to my church because we're the only ones that are practicing Christian values. Don't say that. There are people that do not know Jesus Christ that have learned what Confucius said. They even saw what Jesus said like that emperor from years ago and wrote it on the walls of his house and prayed he would live that way. Because the principles that God has given us to live by in this world, it is not only Christians that can benefit from them. Does that make sense? Do we understand that the sowing and reaping principle doesn't just apply to people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, right? Anybody can take God's principles and apply it and see good things come in their life. Now, they do not have the blessing of the Holy Spirit upon their life. 
which as I study through it, I see that as the main difference for us. When we think of memorable words, there are some patriots that have spoken words. I want to give you a quiz. Don't say it out loud, but just you know, give yourself a little a mental pat on the back if you can name who said this famous quote. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That was Franklin Roosevelt. Give me liberty or give me death. That was Patrick Henry. This is a little more contemporary. I can hear you. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knock down these buildings will hear all of us soon. George Bush. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And that was who? John Kennedy. Was John Kennedy such a genius or his speechwriter such a genius that he came up with that principle? That's the golden rule, brothers and sisters. Tens of thousands of people were inspired when the president spoke those words. Many, many unbelievers can practice the golden rule. And so what is the difference? Is Christ or is God through his word giving us anything that is different? And I want to suggest to us, yes, there is. And it comes down to one word. And that one word is motivation. What is the motivation? And this can get tricky too. Because some people just enjoy life better when they're helping others, right? It's not a bad thing. But their motivation might just be to have happiness through serving. There are some people that have learned what goes around comes around. And so they're going to be nice hoping that it will come around. They might use the word karma. What is the motivation for individuals? You know, there are some folks who have just learned that when you practice the principles that God wants human beings to live by, you go to jail less, right? You have a happier life. So plenty of people outside of Christ can apply this. But the question we need to ask is, what is their motivation? Is it just so they will be happier for themselves in this world? Well, you can't fault them for that, and you certainly cannot fault them for doing good things and practicing the golden rule. So here is a statement I'm about to give you that applies to everybody, believers and unbelievers. And then I'm going to give a counter statement. For everyone, the way that you treat someone is a reflection of how you really feel about them. I think that applies to everybody. If you're kind to someone, that is going to be a reflection of how you feel about them. If you've known them for a while and you keep getting burned by them, you're not going to volunteer that kindness too quickly. Or you won't make yourself vulnerable to them. Your experience is, even with strangers, your experience is if you treat them in a kind way, they're going to appreciate it. You'll hold the door open for them and say good morning. You don't even know who they are. And they smile back and say thank you, good morning to you. Isn't this a great world that we live in? Those are not bad things. But let me give you the counterstatement that Jesus Christ, this is at the heart of what Jesus is teaching. The way that you treat someone for the follower of Christ is to be obedience to God 
And you can do it in a consistent way because you've been on the receiving end of unconditional love. When you practice the golden rule, when you do to others and treat them as you would want to be done, you not only do it because they deserve it, you not only do it because you've learned life is a little better for it, but we do it because it is obedience to God. And then if I can pull us back to that theme that I challenged us with in Matthew chapter 7, all of those areas are talking about eternal life. They're all talking about salvation. And so does the golden rule. Well, let me just ask you guys. Think it through here. Don't answer too quickly. Is practicing the golden rule with all the people that you're connected with in this world, is that a good opportunity for someone to see the character of Jesus Christ or for you to share Jesus Christ? Absolutely. And that's the difference If you want to practice the silver rule, don't do to others that you wouldn't want done to you, you can just stay at home and accomplish that. But the Christians are not commanded to stay at home. We are not commanded to be hermits. We're not commanded to go and buy an island somewhere and all of us congregate here. God has you mixing with people who are going to spend eternity somewhere. And we need to be reminded it will be eternity with Jesus Christ if they are forgiven and ask for salvation Or it will be eternity separated from God forever in a place called hell. And the golden rule can be the tool that God has given to his sons and his daughters to lead them to seeing Jesus Christ regardless of how they respond. But they don't deserve it. I'll never do that again. They don't deserve it. They didn't even say thank you. In fact, they kind of gave me a funny look when I showed them some kindness. I'll never do that again. Your example is the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Jesus Christ looked down upon you, or better, when Jesus Christ was here on this earth and he was kneeling, he was on his knees in the garden, and he prayed to the Father, and what was the request that he prayed? God, Father, would you please remove this cup from me? Remove this cup from me. That is the sins of you and me that was going to be poured out. The wrath of the Father poured out on the Son. And he knew it was coming. Will you please remove this cup from me? And did our Savior's prayer stop there? Yes or no? It did not. He said, nevertheless, not what I will. Not my will, but thine be done. And so if you tell somebody, they don't deserve it, I'll never do that again, say, not my will, but thine be done. You have no idea how many times you're going to have to be kind to somebody to practice this before they will see within you Jesus Christ. You need to observe everybody around you as, as, a, as a future convert. They've heard about the gospel, I've invited them to church, and they've said no. I've told my family member about Jesus and about this and about their kids And they're just not getting it. Be patient. Practice this rule. Not because what you'll get out of it. Not because you feel less guilty. Not because you get to have a scoreboard and say, I led five people to Christ. You do this because it is obedience to God. And you continue to do it even when you are not appreciated because that is the example that God has given. 
out of God's incredible wealth of generosity and mercy and graciousness and love. That's what he keeps giving to you. It never ends. You can never exhaust God's patience and long-suffering and love for you. And you said to yourself, well, I, I, I could not do that. I could not do that. You're right, you cannot by yourself. But as we studied just before this verse when it says ask, seek, and knock, we need to ask for the Holy Spirit to be clear in our lives so that others will see this kindness, will see this crazy generosity and graciousness and forgiveness And eventually when they are asking the hard questions in life or they are seeking or God is doing a work in their heart, they will see you. And you're not just doing it for a scoreboard and you're not just doing it so you can sleep better at night. You're doing it out of obedience to Jesus Christ. All right, what can we do with this? I only have one application and that is love others. We are to love others others especially when they don't deserve it or they don't appreciate it anybody can love people that love them right does that make sense if people are being kind to you anybody can be kind to them it's hard and it makes a lasting impression in them when you're kind to them when they don't deserve it or when they were mean to you and so the challenge for us and all the sinners that you're surrounded with today God help us, right? Is to love others. Love those within the family. Do you remember? Do you remember? It's one of my favorite lines how Jesus told his followers that people outside of the church gathering are going to know who the Christians are. They are going to know who the brothers and sisters, who the followers of Jesus are, by their love one for another. So do not go and confess somebody else's sins out there in the workplace. I was at church yesterday, and I tell you what. You think they're ever going to want to come to your church? Let me tell you what you have in the church of Jesus Christ. You have the absolute best thing going that anybody could have. You have individuals that are joining together. And I'll say this throughout the service. We are joining together to sing, to reflect back to God that we love Him through song. And that's biblical. We are joining together to learn from His Word. We're intentional about that around here. And we are joining together through this short journey that we have to not do it by ourselves. You're not alone. Not one of you was made to do it by yourself. Love others. Love those outside. Love them unconditionally. Keep on loving them when they don't appreciate it and they don't deserve it. And then somebody in here, somebody around you even this day, show an act of love and kindness. And you can show it to your BFF. That's cool. I get that. But show it to the person that you don't know that well too. Show it to that person who's wondering if anybody even sees them when they came into this place. This is what sets us apart when we go and open our eyes and try to do to others what we would want done to us. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we come to you so thankful for your patience, 
We praise you, God, for never saying, that was the last time I don't take you anymore as my child. But you forgive. We struggle and we slip up and we sin. And Heavenly Father, you love on us. You correct us. You love us too much to give up on us. God, would you allow us to practice that wonderful teaching of Jesus Christ. I thank you that it was better than what so many other philosophers had said. And I thank you that it reflected exactly what you want us to do in this world. Be different by our love one for another. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, as the piano plays through, I'm going to ask you just to take a moment to pray. You might pray for a specific name of someone that you can show kindness and love to. It might be somebody that you've given up on and you can pray for them. It might be a believer. It might be an unbeliever that's a skeptic of Jesus and church. Take a moment to pray if God's leading you in that way. Or if you're here today and you're not sure you're on your way to heaven, I mentioned earlier there's two places everyone's going, two groups, everyone's going to be in either the group that has fellowship with God forever in heaven or a group separated from God forever in a place called hell. And if you've never realized that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and simply come to him and accepted that free gift, you can pray a prayer something like, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I know there's punishment for my sin and I accept your forgiveness. Make me your son or your daughter today. If you've never done that before, you can pray that even while the piano plays and God will answer that prayer. Take a moment. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to.